0: Welcome, you beautiful darlings, to the one place where we can get away from the constant gloom and doom of the World Wide Web. The stage is set, the laundry has been put to dry, and someone stole my goddamn chicken nuggets! It's time for another fun-filled episode of Silver Lining Cinema. Welcome everybody to episode two of Silver Lining Cinema. I am Jofra Mendes, and I'm very excited that you're here today. Uh, we made it! We made it to episode two! Woohoo! Cue the, cue the, cue the noise! The 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 celebratory, the, yeah, that one, that one, cue it, it yes! Suck. Woohoo! Yeah, we did it. Okay, so today's gonna be a very different kind of episode from the first one. Let me explain. I had a very particular topic to discuss today, but. In the frenzy and fury of recent events within media and pop culture, this is a media studies podcast, after all. I, I felt, I felt it irresponsible to hold on on this topic. So this topic's gonna be a very personal. Uh, it's gonna come off as a little rambly, but hey, that's what this podcast about. It's about expressing your emotions, expressing positive vibes, and. It's funny that I say that because the origin of this topic started off with a bad vibe. What do I mean by that? Uh, For those who have been keeping up to date with recent Oscar shenanigans, uh, Academy Awards bullshit, as I'm going to call it, uh, at the 94th Academy Awards, during the Best Animated Film uh, category, essentially, and I'm going to quote the the presenters on this. Uh, Animation. All right, I need to find the quote because it's so goddamn enraging. So I'm not... Three actresses that have played Disney princesses. One of them is the actress who is about to play Ariel in the brand new Little Mermaid uh, live-action adaptation, Uh, essentially they were presenting the best animated film category, and one of their opening statements was, animation is something kids enjoy and adults have to endure. Uh, Oh God. Um, Alongside that, uh, Amy Schumer made jokes about how the only reason why she knows about encounters is her child has made her seen it over and over and over again. Like, There's this, the attitude and the tone towards animation was just belittling and talking about it as this like pestering annoyance that people had to deal with in the middle of pandemic. Not to fucking mention that Encanto was one of the most fucking popular movies that Disney Plus released during pandemic next to Turning Red, which was more recent. And uh, see, this is what happens when I get all riled up. Let's let me gain let me get, let me gain my composure. Let's let's all let's all let's all hold hands. Let's all metaphorically hold hands as I get really close to the microphone and I start getting into this weird ASMR kind of voice. Let's let's relax. Let's calm down. Let's you know what this is. a Show the show is silver lining cinema. Let's talk about actual silver linings now. Okay, animation is my all time favorite medium for both cinema and television. And let's begin by addressing one of the many misconceptions surrounding animation animation is not a genre it is a medium it's an art form it's a method to express and communicate visual storytelling but even with the strides made in adult animation as of late on a night that is meant to honor excellence in cinema and film best animated film is always always treated like a kid's thing, like some silly thing that, oh, we had to watch in Kanto because it's all the kids wanted to watch. One of the films nominated was called Flea, and it's about, it's, it's an immigrant, ta- it's, it's, it's an immigrant tale. Like I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's the same thing that it's, it's, it's not necessarily aimed at children. Hell, the best animated film category was created after Beauty and the Beast back in 92, 93. Someone's gonna correct me when I write this. Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture. And the press, the media lost their goddamn minds. There's an actual article that says, that sums it up as, oh, wow, the nominations must be scarce this year because they're nominating a cartoon movie. (laughs) That was the general consensus at the time. So the Academy essentially said, oh, animation can't go with best picture or best film, so we'll give it its own category because we're old and decrepit. (laughs) Even Academy jurors, the people that are supposed to be judging these movies, Academy jurors have come out and openly said that they rarely watch the Best Animated Film nominees and purely decide on on their choice, whether or not their kids saw it or not. And it's like, oh, okay, Billy saw it. Billy thought Encanto was adorable, so I guess I'll vote for Encanto. It's not to take away the merit for the films that have won Best Animated Film, and I will get to that later because it's a very important part of this rant that revolves around that. But it's why. Why is it that animation is constantly, constantly Kind of put under the lens of children's entertainment. Why? Go back go back to the Flintstones. Does people tend to forget that the Flintstones, the the, 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 the picapiedras in Spanish The Flintstones was a prime time television sitcom on NBC. Prime time. The Friends of that of the Friends. Friends, Seinfeld, how I met your mother, those primetime sick. that's what the Flintstones was. And it was perfectly accepted that it was it was a, a piece of television that, that, that families and children could enjoy, adults could enjoy. It was normal. Back in the day, When you were to go see a movie, you would watch cartoons first, then you would watch the news, and then the movie would play. And adults loved watching the cartoons. Cartoons were hella violent back in the day. This notion that it's for kids is infuriating. And now let's bring it back to today. The Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park, Rick and Morty, Invincible, Castlevania, 75% of Japan's anime catalog. How is it? we still think that animation should be something exclusively targeted at children. Finding fucking Vincent! Finding Vincent, a film that was every single frame was an oil painting and each painting had to be redone to create the illusion of animation. My God, it's an art, it's a, it's a piece of moving, kinetic, dynamic artwork. Like why And <laughs> don't get me started on anime, like anime. And that's, you know what? That is one of the reasons I believe why I grew up loving anime so much. I love Western animation. That's what I grew up on. I grew up on my cartoons. I grew up on Cartoon Network. I grew up on Nickelodeon. Uh, those are my, my, my morning cartoons, Disney cartoons. I grew up on animation. I loved ta- I loved going frame by frame, seeing how the characters would move and stretch and stretch and squash, and just how extremely erratic but beautifully controlled each character was made. And then anime shows up in my in my youth. Uh, obviously, the Dragon Ball Z is the gateway to, to many uh, to many people's personal experience with anime, but. I th- the reason I gravitated towards anime is because one of the first shows I saw when I was a kid. And this is a this is a statement, very not controversial, but it's it kind of just goes to show how I got into anime in the first place. My first series was a, a show called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, for those who know who it is, you would know what it is. You know what it is. For those who don't know what it is, um, it is essentially a giant robot anime, but it also deals with Freudian issues, a lot of Christ, Christian Judeo imagery, uh, a lot of psychological introspection that leads to downward spirals, you know, for kids. The fact that this, this show was one of the first things I ever saw, I found it on my own, and it's talking about themes and topics that you would I would never believe to be able to watch on television, and yet here it is. Like there, it's, it's, it's animation, but it's not, it's not cute. It's not adorable. It's not, it's not aimed at children. It's just, it's a story. It's a story. That's all it is. It's stories and characters with wants and needs and desires and goals. It's, it's a story. And anime, like animation is, anime is not a genre. Anime is the Japanese word for animation, the same way that manga is not a genre. Manga is the Japanese word for comic book. Anime taught me that the art form can be used to tell absolutely any story. Any story. Regardless, regardless of theme. Regardless of where it comes from. You can tell any story. Now, let's fast forward... 10 20 years from when I was first in, inducted into my my Disney anim, my my Disney animation uh, love, passion and then my discovery of anime. I am starting to get so annoyed that people are shocked, especially movie critics. People are starting to get surprised at the notion of anime films making bank in the United States. Uh, Demon Slayer Mugen Train broke records during its release, and critics were—oh my God, what a surprising outcome! It's like, yeah, fuckheads, adults like animation, and we will pay to see it in theaters. How is this a surprising fucking notion? I've seen—I've fil- seen anime films in theaters, and the theaters are packed to the brim. People jumping and screaming and laughing and just enjoying themselves. Animation, animation kept us sane during pandemic, and everyone praised the medium. Everyone praised it because when live action sets had to shut the hell down due to pandemic, what were the what was the only medium that was able to to produce under safe circumstances? Animation, animation. Invin- I remember Invincible came out during pandemic. I think one of the seasons for Castlevania came out during pandemic. South Park did an entire thing where they go over over pandemic. It's it was the one form of entertainment that was safe to produce and people loved it. And they, everyone praised the medium, but oh, it's still for kids, it's so cute. I remember when Dragon Ball Super ended, that last episode prompted the kind of hype normally found in sporting events in Mexico. Look this video up if you had the chance. 15,000 people turned out to Guadalajara Plaza uh, to watch Goku, Frieza, and Android 17 fight Jiren, and people were screaming as if the actual fate of the universe depended on the outcome of that match. It was celebratory, it was insane. People were like screaming for joy and they like, just chanted like go, 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 it, go! It's like watching the World Cup, but much more fun. It's oh god! It it's it it makes me it makes me angry. It makes me very angry because lately, we we've seen we've seen this advent and this this the 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 dawn of the of the the dawn of adult animation. We've seen it. I've mentioned previous uh, previous examples, but nowadays animation is starting to become a more slowly, slowly it's being more accepted as an adult. Medium and I love it because it's the only way and it but even then that in and of itself makes me very sad Why is it that we have to legitimize an art form by making it for adults only? Why is it that violence gore blood cussing? Why is it that that is the only why is that the only way we can legitimize animation as a mature art form? Avatar the last airbender talks about the ramifications of war the consequence of pacifism, uh, you know, nature versus nurture, being you know raised in a broken home. There's so many topics that all you have to do is just take the take off the animated filter, take all those archetypes, take all that story, put it somewhere else, and it is a heart wrenching tale. But and the fact that they were able to pull it off beautifully, like Avatar Last Airbender is the closest thing to perfect I've ever seen in a show, like, in an in, in, a, in a series. Like, Avatar is perfect. I put Avatar next to Breaking Bad. That's how good that, I think that show is. And I will, I will say, keep repeating, I will die on this hill. Like, just because it is animated, just because there's no gore, just because there's no violence or extreme violence doesn't mean that it is not a legitimate art form and does not mean that it can't be a fulfilling story and a moving story at that. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey there, Stacy. Hey, Jeremy. What you got there on your feet, baby? Oh, you didn't hear? I bought myself some new magic shoes. Magic shoes? That's right, you heard me. Magic shoes. The ones that look good on your feet? Yeah, I I, I said that. I said the magic shoes. Oh, they look real neat. I'm trying to. I'm trying to sing the jingles. So well, tell me more about magic shoes. Bitch, I'm trying to figure out tell you what it is. Magic shoes, magic shoes. Come on and put on your magic shoes. Looks good on your feet. While you're yelling out in the street. Yell at everybody good. Kick around the neighborhood with your magic shoes, magic shoes. Come on and put on your magic shoes. Magic shoes. I want to talk about two of my favorite, two of my favorite films of all time, and this is like top, top film, top, top, top film. Um, the first one is the film that got, is, is the film that sparked this almost obsessive love and passion for animation. And that film is Robert Zemeckis's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now you may be thinking to yourself, "Oh God, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? What's so special about that movie?" Shut up number one and number two who framed Roger Rabbit is a murder mystery it's a murder it's a detective story it's a detective Noir story set in Los Angeles in 1940 where tunes are portrayed as actors who do the car, the classic cartoons that we used to love and love and enjoy but instead of them being just cartoons they're actual actors and they coexist and, and they coexist with humans. Um, I'm not gonna get into the synopsis of this movie because it's very. I can get very much involved or maybe very uh, entangled into this this topic in particular. But Who Framed Roger Rabbit was one of the first films that showed the potential of what animation could do. Watch that film. There is a video. Watch. Go watch that film again and look at all the small hand-drawn details that make th- that experience as realistic and as believable as possible. There's a great video essay by this guy called Captain Christian with a K and it's about it's about how Roger Rabbit essentially pushed the limitations of animation back in 1988. There's a term called bumping the lamp. And that that term comes from a scene in the film where there is a source of light swinging back and forth and it's obviously light as light as the light moves back and forth, it changes the scenery. And there's parts that, gl- that, that get brighter, parts, parts that get darker. And Eddie Valiant, played by Bob Hoskins, is carrying Roger Rabbit in his hands, in his hands. And he bumps his head on the lamp. When you watch Roger, every shadow, every source of light, every single little detail, with the light swinging back and forth, was meticulously, meticulously, hand drawn. No one had done that. The closest thing they had done to the, was was uh, Ralph Bakshi's Cool World, but even then, the, the characters in Cool World almost exist on a separate plane from the from the human characters, so it doesn't look like they're actually interacting. It just kind of looks like they're there. It very, it, it, I don't know if green screen existed back then. I'm sure it did, but it was very much like it, it was. Each each part was in their own was was re- delegated to their own little corner. Who framed Roger Rabbit? There were animated characters carrying live-action guns and live-action props. They interacted with the world. They kept their eyeline on the actors, and vice versa. The actors would look at these characters dead in, like, dead in the eyes just to kind of capture the feeling of being present with a 2D animated character right in front of you. No movie had ever done that. I have a fond memory with this film because the, the the first time I... The first time I knew I loved this film was when I got in trouble for it. I was in fourth grade. We had to, we were, I think we were reading Hardy Boys. We were reading some, we were reading some sort of mystery, uh, kids mystery novels for the class. And we were encouraged to bring a kids uh, detective and mystery movie in class and share it with uh, the rest of the class. I brought Who Framed Roger Rabbit and I was immediately detained for this because it was uh, it was crass, it was, it was considered vulgar. Uh, Jessica Rabbit's uh, tiggle bitties were uh, apparently too distracting for the teacher in my class. And I just, I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as, oh, this is a cool, this is a cool like murder mystery. Like I was 10, what the hell do I know? But I just thought it was a really neat movie. And the fact that I got in trouble for it ironically enough, made me want to find out more and investigate and, and appreciate the movie even, even more so. I can't, I can't go... I, can go well, I could do an entire thing on Roger Rabbit. I eventually will, but that's not the point. The point is that that is a film that revolutionized cinema. It revolutionized what we can do with animation at the time. And it is such an important... Like milestone in the world of cinema, and I, I I am sure I am sure that people just will kind of g- walk past it or gl- not even give it not even give it a chance because it's oh, it's cartoon stuff and that 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 pisses me off that that makes me very, very mad. and I know this is a show called Silver Lining Cinema, where we talk about good stuff, but this makes me mad because I'm very passionate I've, 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 ha huh. I love this a lot. I really do, as you can clearly tell. Uh, look. Let's let's talk about something more modern. Those who know me really well are aware that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is one of my all-time favorite films. And not just animated films, but top 5 in my own personal list of praiseworthy cinema. That's just me. Why? Because it's a story about finding yourself in a world where everyone has expectations on what you should be. It's a story about the fear of living up to an impossible standard and eventually finding solace and comfort in the fact that we are not alone. It's about establishing identity in the face of comparisons and legacy. And it's also a beautiful fucking showcase of art in different forms, both in 2D and 3D animation. I saw this movie six times in theaters, and each time felt like the first. I couldn't get enough of it. I think the third or fourth time, I'm never gonna forget this. I'm never gonna forget the night. I was coming home, and some decrepit old hag, some neighbor bitch, who doesn't probably doesn't have a creative or imaginative bone in her body, tried to shit on my parade after asking me what I saw in theaters. And you know what? You know what? Animation isn't for everybody. I get that. I understand that. Uh, If you don't like it, go on. Continue. I won't give you shit. You don't give me shit. But don't actively go out of your way to make me feel lesser for enjoying something that makes me happy she asked me what I saw in theaters and I said oh I saw Into the Spider Verse and it was great and I went on like a, a cool little tangent and her response was Ay, pero la muñequito. translation to oh isn't that, that that silly cartoon one and she laughed at me she laughed at me and something clicked I heard I literally heard something snap probably could, was I don't know what it was But I snapped. But I don't snap angrily. I snap with word vomit and context. And I bombarded her. I told her everything. I proceeded to tell her about the stream of awards the the movie got. Recognitions. Praise. And not to mention the box office revenue, which I guess is the only thing people care about these days. The, The metric for success is how much goddamn money something makes. And and, and then I told her that the reason why this excites me so much or, or this, I'm so passionate about this is because I, wanna, I wanted to work in the animation industry. I still do. And the moment I told her that, her tone immediately changed. Because she saw she fucked up. And, oh, God, I wanted to dropkick her like through a, through a window into an upwards escalator so she could keep falling over and over and over again. It made me so angry. And look, animation gives birth to the impossible. The full extent of anime, and it's the full extent of imagination and creativity put to screen. It's a collaborative effort on a scale that's almost inconceivable. Yet the Oscars and the general Western populace treat it like it's an infantile and and childish art form that holds no place in high art cinema. Meanwhile, France and Japan have thriving animation communities because of the stories being made and the gorgeous art alongside it. That's That's why it bothers me that people are shocked that anime is making the rounds as far as box office hits. Look, and I'm gonna say porque in Spanish because it's it, 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 the only way I can communicate it right now. Igual que el entretenimiento y el arte tiene espacio para todos. La animación es un medio que permite que historias de todo tipo, no importa de dónde carajo vengan, se puedan crear con el poder incalculable de la imaginación. And if you didn't understand what I just said, uh, go to Google and Google Translate and that'll help you translate it. So where does this leave us now? Well, there actually is a pretty awesome silver lining to this whole ordeal. And it's that uh, animation is kind of going through a let's call it business enterprise movement right now. Uh, Animation communities all over the United States are starting to unionize and they are pushing for something called the New Deal in Animation. Uh, To no one's surprise, animation uh, workers are paid less than their live action counterparts for no discernible reason other than it's animation. Yes, animation can be a little bit more expensive, which is kind of weird considering the fact that They need more money. Uh, But uh, there is a new deal for animation so that animation workers can be as equally uh, paid and equally treated as their live action counterparts. That's the one thing. The second silver lining to this whole ordeal is that people are starting to talk about this a little bit more often. I'm dedicating an entire goddamn podcast to it. So that could be uh, something positive, uh, a contribution towards changing the narrative as as it's being perceived. And uh, finally, I, I do believe that Even though, let's say, even though the Oscars may not recognize animation in a respected field, you know what? It sucks that it's not them, because they get the more mainstream recognition as far as uh, movies and cinema, but let's be real. The Oscars for a while have been a celebrity contest, and the real winners are the studios who get to pay up money to get their films won. Like, There's been a lot of studies about this already, discussed this before, so... To, to have the Oscars as a barometer for the uh, worth and importance in, uh, for, of animation in the industry, I could care two shits, two disgusting donkey shits, what the Academy Awards of Motion Picture Sciences had to say about an art form that is already beautifully respected, that is getting slowly the recognition. And most important... Every day we see new and new examples of adult animation getting praised and lauded. I I, I mentioned a couple of those examples previously. Uh, uh, People, I I feel like sometimes South Park is underestimated for what it did to adult animation. Because a lot of people want to credit The Simpsons. And yes, The Simpsons was a forerunner of what the, let's call it, a subversion of the Americana traditional family. And played with that, like that. It and The Simpsons does, you know. The Simpsons has left a huge impression in the anime in the history of animation. But it's The Simpsons and then South Park that really challenge not only the the content and the material, but the form, how it's done. It's South Park is still a cartoon. South Park is very much still an animated series, and it's it's it has. Uh, contributed immensely towards the field itself. And we're getting more and more. We're getting Rick and Morty. We're getting BoJack Horseman. We're getting a lot of... BoJack Horseman, one in particular. That's a, There's a show that is not only adult, but it's talking about very, very powerful themes. Uh, I only finished the first season. I have a friend of mine who's probably going to listen to this who's going to yell at me that I haven't finished the season. It's a great show, and I know for a fact that it is. Will Arnett gives an amazing performance. But... Uh, we're starting to see a lot of a lot of adult animation hit the forefront, and a lot of creatives starting to push for that. The, most, the latest example is if anyone's if if you're into adult animation and Lord of the Rings and fantasy and like anime visual styles and everything else that kind of encompasses this podcast, go check out The Legend of Vox Machina on Amazon Prime that deserves its own other, its own episode but long story short a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors took their first DD campaign and over the last 4 years kickstarted it funded it and turned it into their animated series and it's amazing it's fun it's beautiful it's it's adult it's very graphic it's crass but it's it's i think that it it's starting to give me a very emo a very powerful vibe that I only felt with when I first started watching Avatar The Last Airbender way back. I know that's a heavy comparison. I know. I'm not saying that it's similar, but the, the, the passion that's gone into this project, the fact that all the, all the characters are being voiced by their respective players in the D... This is, a, this is a, a love letter to the craft. And it's being done through the, through the imagination of Dungeons and & Dragons. And I think if we start seeing more shows like Vox Machina out there, whether they're being produced, they're being invented. We need more of this. We need to... What's the silver lining in all this? That not only is it, are we getting really good live... act? Were we really... Bleh, see, this is what happens to me. Not only are we getting really good examples of adult animation, but take if you take the Academy Awards off this goddamn conversation, adult animation is being respected. Look at Netflix. Look at Amazon Prime. Uh... You know, a lot of these, a lot of animated, a lot of adult animated shows are starting to kind of like pick up speed and they're getting more and more recognized. Maybe it's not by the elitists. Maybe it's not by the general audience, but we know like there's, and I wrote about this on social media today and I got a really nice response. I'm glad that the people that I'm sure are listening to this podcast are, I know you guys are with me on this. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not preaching donuts you know, I'm not preaching donuts at a at a car store. I did, that metaphor made no sense, but bear with me on it. It makes sense to me. Um, I know you probably most of you are all on board, or maybe you haven't thought about it this way. And I'm glad that this is your first foray into it. But I know that as we move forward, as artists start creating, and as our generation and the next generation that gets interested in this field starts challenging the stories that can be told and the way we can tell them, I'm absolutely sure that. Even even if we don't reach that mainstream recognition, I know for a fact that animation is respected as an art form, is respected as a medium. And hey, you know, even the money saying it, even the money saying it, we got that Mugen train, that that Jujutsu Kaisen movie, which I've yet to go see, but I'm going to this week. That Jujutsu Kaisen's kind of a picking up steam. And uh, look, if we could, if we've been able to put Ghibli Studios, you know, in the Oscars, that's, at least, you know what, at least the snobs, you know, recognize that it's, that it's worthy, even if it's just, even if they're fucking snobs, but, hey man, I went to Japan, I know there, there's a Ghibli Museum, that's all I gotta say, that's all I gotta say, and I, I rarely see children there, and I rarely have heard, have seen, yes, I, there can be, but it's very much, you know, people who just enjoy really good stories. So think about it. Go out there. If you have an idea, think about it. Actually, that's a cool, that's a cool exercise. I give you this challenge. Take one of your ideas take away every misconception or every stereotype you may have about animation now think of your idea think of your story think of your characters and see how it would and think about seeing it in an animated feature I'm not telling you to exaggerate it I'm not telling you to go crazy with it if you want to that'd be awesome I would I would love to see a a you know general hospital soap opera but with like crazy anime nonsense and crazy like cartoon stuff that'd be dope maybe it won't work maybe it will who knows but think about it think about it Think about getting as like weird as you can be and using the power of animation to really take your idea to the limits and to the borders of imagination. I hope I hope you've I hope you've walked away from this podcast, whether it's you're listening to it in the car, in your house, in the toilet. That's my favorite place to listen to podcasts, is when I'm taking a big old deuce. But if you are walking away or standing up from your toilet with some newfound appreciation and newfound knowledge on the field of animation, not necessarily the field, but why it's so important as an art form, then you know what? I've done my job. I've done my job. I'm gonna go pat myself in the back. It's 11.30 at night. I'm recording this last bit right before I publish because I'm a procrastinator, but that's okay because I made it on time. I'm gonna heat myself up some bagel bites, have some ice cream, and uh i'm gonna watch me i'm gonna watch me and some some animations i'm gonna watch me some of them sakuga videos yeah that when they when the anime uses that good animation you know what i'm talking about it's when you get all the all the flips and the, and the, the the action lines and all that you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about Guys, thanks for tuning into the second episode. As always, I am very, very glad you get to pass by, and uh, hope you know what. I'll see you on episode three. We're gonna make it to episode three. It's gonna be great. I already have, I already have next week's topic planned out. It's gonna be well biweekly. I already have next episodes, next episodes topic planned out. Hope you guys tune in for that one. And uh, you have a great week. You stay, you stay lovely. You stay fun. Most of all, keep finding that silver lining. Bye, everyone.